Father, um, you are willing. You are willing that we draw close to you. So may we be found faithful this morning. I know there's just so many things in our mind, in our heart, in our lives. But Father, help us to just lay those at your feet this morning, to listen, to hear what you have to say to us. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. As I look around the room this morning, I see faces of many, many women from that are in different ages and stages of life. Some of us display quite a few lines, more and more lines. Sometimes the hair color is losing its, uh, its brightness and its shine. And I hear lots of moans and groans when we get up from our chairs. I think that more than anything in a room of women my age or people my age is what you hear. It comes out of our mouths without us even thinking. And then I also see beside us women who are in the earlier or mid-decades of their journeys. And I see the energy and I see the, uh, the desire to hear and experience and understand where God is leading you. So in this beautiful Titus II ministry, we gather together as older, mid, young women, and we share our lives. We share what God has taught us and uh, what we are learning along the way. Uh, I just want to preface this teaching because you you each have a, a sheet I believe uh, thus the I say the sermon notes but please know the lesson notes uh, in front of you I apologize that they are so wordy but it's my um, pattern to write scripture down when as I'm studying and the reason I do that is as I write it down I it, it becomes it comes into my heart and mind more. So we are going to be uh, going on quite a journey through scripture today. There's quite a bit of it. And so I thought, well, it will be easier to have them written in front of you. So that's why, and I often use the amplified version, which is quite wordy. And if you don't have it written in front of you, it can be, it can throw you off. So uh, we'll be looking at the same thing as we go through. So um, I just want to preface this morning, though, with the acknowledgement that I don't know many of your stories and the journey of life that God has chosen for you. I know some of them, and I know that many of you have encountered difficult and unimaginable obstacles, and you continue to be bombarded with challenges. Be assured that it's not my intention to treat your stories lightly. On the contrary, I'm inspired and encouraged by your courage and faithfulness. God demonstrates and affirms his love to me as I watch, as I hear your stories and watch your walk. 
as one of my favorite authors says, nothing is for nothing. Every encounter, every experience has purpose. Paul writes these words in, uh, to the Corinthians. In 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18 in the Amplified Version. This is what it says. Therefore, we do not become discouraged, spiritless, disappointed, or afraid. Though our outer self is progressively wasting away, yet our inner self is being progressively renewed day by day. For our momentary light affliction, light distress, this passing trouble is producing for us an eternal weight of glory, a fullness beyond all measure, surpassing all comparisons, a transcendent splendor and an endless blessings. So we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are unseen. For the things which are visible are temporal, just brief and fleeting. But the things which are invisible are everlasting and imperishable. These verses encompass uh, several truths I'd like for us to look at today. The first one being our approach to adversity and affliction. The second, our view of the eternal and temporal perspectives of life. But I want to look at these through the lens of Psalm 119. Over the past number of weeks, Jennifer has introduced us to Psalm 119. We will continue to look at the nuggets of truth presented in this amazing and lengthy discourse. I want to review. Uh, for me, reviewing is imperative. So <laughs> review, review, review. And uh, it helps uh, those truths to uh, sink down into my memory and into my heart. The, I'm going to be using the word uh, psalter, and that's just another word for the book of Psalms, okay? By way of review, Psalm 119 is the longest psalm in the psalter. It contains 176 verses. It's written as an acrostic poem. So what that means is uh, there are 22 letters in the Hebrew alphabet. And in uh, Psalm 119, there are 22 stanzas. Each begin with a letter of the Hebrew alphabet. And each of these stanzas contain eight letters, eight verses, sorry. All but three of these verses contain one of each of these eight words that describe God's law. Precepts, law, statutes, word, testimonies, commandments, judgments, and ordinances. These eight terms describe the law of Moses, actually. The Torah or Pentateuch, which is comprised of the first five books of the Bible. If what the psalmist says is true about Torah, how much more does this apply to the entire scripture? This beautiful and poetic form is highly structured as God reveals himself in his poetry. 
I wonder if this poetic structure was intended to help God's people memorize his truths at a time when not each individual had 43 Bibles in their house. But at that time, much of the word was passed through the mouth, and, and of course, then it had to be in the mind. Essentially, we might describe Psalm 119 as covering the aspects of God's truth from A to Z. Before we delve into our topic today, I also want to remind you a little bit about what the Bible is. Again, it's just a reminder. I know you know these things, but let's, let's look at them again. The Bible or scripture is the word of God. It is comprised of 66 separate writings or books. It was written over a period of between 1400 and 1800 years by more than 40 authors from various walks of life. While many of the authors are identified, some remain unknown. The Bible is divided into 39 Old Testament books and 27 New Testament books. The, the Bible is a divine human book. Though it originated from God, it was actually written by man. It is God's word conveyed through the Holy Spirit. The Bible is inerrant in that it tells the truth, and it does so without error in all parts and with all words. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 in the Amplified Version affirms this. All scripture is God-breathed, given by divine inspiration, and is profitable for instruction, for conviction of sin, for correction of error and restoration to obedience, for training in righteousness, learning to live in conformity to God's will, both publicly and privately, behaving honorably with personal integrity and moral courage so that the man or woman of God may be complete and proficient, outfitted and thoroughly equipped for every good work. Second Peter 1, 20, 21. Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of scripture came about by a prophet's own interpretation. For prophecy never had its origin in human will. But prophets through Though humans spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. I'm increasingly reminded in this soul-forming world how important it is for us to know what and why we believe and to know that clearly. The noisy and confusing voices of our culture can drown out God's still small voice and threaten our peace. This is especially true when we find ourselves in circumstances of affliction and adversity. Webster's defines adversity as an event or series of events which oppose success or desire, misfortune, calamity, distress, state of unhappiness. Hmm. Affliction, a state of pain, distress or grief the cause of continued pain, 
of body or mind. As sickness, losses, loss of clarity, adversity, persecution. We often feel powerless in life's difficulties. The up and down nature of life can lead our heart on a strenuous roller coaster ride. In preparing for today's teaching, I found an article from a young woman recounting in a biblical perspective on life's ups and downs. Jenny Brown shares these words, and I wonder if you can relate. Maybe you tire of the up and down nature of your marriage, of fighting a chronic illness, of parenting teens, of the job search of swiping right and still not meeting. Perhaps like me, you sometimes find it difficult to trust God through all this up and down, when what seems like an answered prayer becomes a prayer request once again. When your spouse agrees to counseling on Wednesday, but threatens divorce on Saturday. When another migraine attacks after you started taking new medication. When connecting with your team suddenly turns into disrespect and withdrawal. When you finally get a job interview, but not the job offer. When you actually meet for a date, but neither of you thinks the other one is that great. How do we persevere with hope and joy when the good news so often turns discouraging again? Your journey may encompass different details. I was reminded this morning in our prayer group that one part of adversity and affliction that we that came to mind was the hurt of estranged relationships. We all have some of those, perhaps family or friends. Um, relationships that are estranged for years and, and there's great a great deal of hurt involved with that. So let's take a look at this through the lens of Psalm 119. First of all, go to God with all of your emotions. The Psalter as a whole affirms this. Psalm 119 displays the whole range of human emotions. From the depths of despair and wrestling with God to the heights of joy. Indeed, the book of Psalms is one of the best places of the Bible to go when experiencing sorrow, pain, or doubt. These passages don't sugarcoat life, conceal its pain, or deny its realities. They show us how to draw closer to, to God, even when we're feeling like life people, or even God himself has let us down. The, the psalmist resonates with our emotions and openly expresses their problems in the presence of God. But we're not just enjoying a good venting session. In the midst of the psalmist's distress, they affirm their willingness to cling to the Lord. Uh, for example, in Psalm 119, 153, and 154 says, Look upon my affliction and rescue me, for I do not forget your law. Plead my cause and redeem me. Revive me according to your word. 
verse 157, many are my persecutors and my adversaries, yet I do not turn aside from your testimonies. Again and again, the psalmist, the psalmist affirms that what keeps him together in the midst of adversity is that he is tethered to God's will, God's truth. Second, recognize his presence in your suffering. The psalmist attributes not only good and happy circumstances, but also affliction to the faithful providence of God. Verses 67, 71, and 75 read this way. Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I keep your word. It is good for me that I was afflicted, that I may learn your statutes. I know, O oh Lord, that your judgments are righteous and that in faithfulness you have afflicted me. The psalmist judges his circumstances in light of God's unwavering character, not the other way around. He understands that even negative circumstances can be instruments of redemption. Adversities can be used by God to shape our souls and prepare us for eternity. It can break us of self-reliance and, and idolatry in ways that nothing else can. This is why the psalmist recognizes, in faithfulness you have afflicted me. This psalm contends that even negative circumstances can be instruments of redemption. For the believer, God will redeem what he allows. Remember that. Third, renew your mind in his word. God's word is the primary agent of the renewal of our minds. The eternal perspective found in the scriptures will never be confirmed by the world. Therefore, we have to consistently go to his word. Indeed, we must long for it in order for our minds to be conformed to the mind of Christ. Psalm 119 testifies to this renewing power of God's word. Your word I have treasured in my heart that I may not sin against you. I will meditate on your precepts and regard your ways. I shall delight in your statutes. I shall not forget your word. Behold, I long for your precepts. Revive me through your righteousness. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. That's an interesting image in Psalm 105. I mean, in verse 1. If you can imagine yourself in, um, in Israel at that time with no city lights, on a moonless night, you would have a hard time seeing the path in front of you. And God's word illuminates. God's word as a lamp to our feet and a light to our path is an excellent metaphor for walking through this present darkness. We live in a dark world. A lamp only illuminates the next step in front of us. But as long as we continue walking in its light, our path will always be lit. 
That is what the word of God does in our, this lifetime for us. As we consider the final urging of the psalmist, we're reminded by Paul's words in Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through, verses 1 through 5 in the Amplified Version. Therefore, since we have been justified, that is acquitted of sin, declared blameless before God by faith, let us grasp the fact that we have peace with God and the joy of reconciliation with through our Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the, the anointed. Through him, we also have access by faith into this remarkable state of grace in which we firmly and safely and securely stand. Let us rejoice in our hope and the confident assurance of experiencing and enjoying the glory of our great God, the manifestation of his excellence and power. And not only this, but with joy, let us exult in our sufferings and rejoice in our hardships, knowing that hardship, distress, pressure, trouble produces patient endurance and endurance proven character, spiritual maturity. Proven character, hope, and confident assurance of eternal salvation. Such hope in God's promises never disappoints us. Because God's love has been abundantly poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who is given to us. Walk by faith forth. The psalmist pleads for restoration and revival which he understands will only come about by renewing his mind in God's word. Remember the word to your servant in which you have made me hope. This is my comfort in my affliction, that your word has revived me. If your law had not been my delight, then I would have perished in my affliction. I am exceedingly afflicted. Revive me, O Lord, according to your word. These words with the rest of Psalm 119 lead us to acknowledge two truths about ourselves. First, we do not know what our best interests are. We think we do. Second, even if we did know our best interests, we would not be able to bring them about. We don't know what tomorrow holds. God is in charge of both of these, knowing and bringing about the best interests for our lives. He has ordained a certain time and purpose for each person. When we are enduring difficulties, we can be sure these sufferings will not be wasted. Sometimes we need to stand still and wait, while other times we need to act. Whatever our next move, he calls us to walk by faith and not by sight, trusting in the goodness of his revealed word. The young woman I quoted earlier finishes her articles with these words. Lastly, and most assuredly, excuse me, we know that there is good news that will never turn to bad news. Our salvation is sure guaranteed, unwavering, 
Our sins have been forgiven, and we have a glorious inheritance to come. It is good news that will never disappoint, never fade, and we need never fear losing. So in the midst of the ups and downs of life, God's nearness and work in our lives proves a constant we can count on. We may not always feel his presence, but we can reflect on this reality until our hearts begin to feel fill with peace, strength, and hope. Because of the finished work of Christ, we can have confidence in this truth, for he himself has said, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Do I honor God enough to believe him, despite the evidence to the contrary? Hope is an interesting word. It expresses a cherished desire, a confident assurance of obtaining that which is longed for. Hope is forged in the times of adversity. My hope needs to be based on the character and promises of God. Each one of us is living a story on our earthly journey. Let us be mindful that this is not our home. God's word describes us in our journey as pilgrims, sojourners, Aliens, exiles, strangers, wayfarers, and tenants. I particularly like this description. We're living out of suitcases on borrowed time to accomplish unfinished business. We're living out of suitcases on borrowed time to accomplish unfinished business. An eternal perspective treasures that which is not seen and values that which is not yet. It's my prayer for each of you today that you would view your journey with all its ups and downs through God's lens of eternity, treasuring that which you don't see, valuing that which you don't yet have. As I mentioned at the beginning, we learn and grow as we draw in tightly to God's word and allow him to shape and mold us. We also learn from each other. We are a gift to each other. Thank you for being my gift today. Through the ups and downs of life, God has allowed me to watch and learn from wise and faithful women and men that he's placed around me in my life. One of these women, already, <laughs> but I won't know. I never know when the voice is gonna shake. So it just, it's, like the, it's like the lines. <laughs> One of these women is our youngest daughter, Julia. Um, I asked her if, she would share some of insight and thoughts from her life. Uh, she, of course, her journey is much shorter than mine. There's a lot left at, to be completed, um, I think. 
but she, uh, it's been a delight to share our journey together. Perhaps in her words, you'll relate to some of her story. I know yours is different. Um, we, I, something that can tend to keep us from sharing with each other is the fact that no one will understand or other people have worse stories than mine. Why would, why would mine be important? Please don't think that way. God has given you your story and your journey for a purpose. Just be willing, be obedient. He will provide the opportunity. I will provide the obedience. He's responsible for the outcome. So, Julia. I am thankful that our God is a God of order, and his creation reflects that. Just as each year holds summer, fall, winter, and spring, our lives too hold seasons. Praise God that though life brings suffering, so too does it bring joy. The difference between joy and suffering many times comes down to our perspective on the situation. There have been many times in my life where I have found this to be true. For the past six, five, six years, our family has met our medical deductible and our out-of-pocket maximum. That there speaks volumes. For the sake of time and at the risk of sounding too much like Joe, I will share just a bit about our more recent years. A little over four years ago, I was pregnant with our third kiddo. Entering the seventh month, I started developing a whole series of gestational diabetes, high blood pressure, irregular fetal heartbeat, and a growth restricted beat. After about three weeks of many doctor's appointments and lots of bad news and increasing issues, I was told to move into Banner, Australia for the remaining seven weeks of my pregnancy. However, seven weeks was not to be. Our son was born that very night through an emergency C-section. For the one evening I was there, my and Ezekiel's vitals were being closely monitored. Every so often, his heart rate would slow down extremely and the nurse would quickly come in and the room to check on things after the third time that night they decided it was too risky to leave him in and they told us they needed to take him out immediately ezekiel was born three pounds five ounces but breathing on his own he was whisked away to the NICU where he remained for the next nine weeks In the NICU, the trials would not end. Ezekiel struggled the entire time with controlling his blood sugar and feeding issues. During what may have been the scariest time, somehow he contracted a viral and bacterial infection. He stopped breathing. He was resuscitated, intubated, and put on strict quarantine. I still cannot allow myself to park on some of those emotions of that time. 
for nine weeks, I spent nine hours a day sitting in a chair, and if allowed, I held my baby. There was a lot of time to think. Was it profound? Certainly not. I'm not even sure most of it was coherent. Looking back at this time in my life, I can see that there were several things that I did that helped me through. First was the habit of reading my Bible and praying. I'm not sure I was able to process most of what I read, but the habit and the devotion was there. Secondly, because I couldn't recall scripture well, I, instant, I instead asked God daily to give me a song to sing. Each morning, he would give my heart reminders of his love through song. Sometimes the song would last days. <clears throat> Other times it was just brought to mind for a moment. I don't even remember what the songs were he gifted me with during those weeks, but I know at the time they brought incredible peace. Lastly was the habit of being thankful. I see now that it was the attitude I practiced in the small things of my life that prepared me for those hard days. I firmly believe that life is not a series of accidents, but the hand of God can be found in everything if only we were willing to look. I had already developed an attitude of thanksgiving to God in my life, so when all of the above occurred, I was able to look at each trial and find some way to be thankful at God's hand at work. I didn't allow myself to sit back and park in the emotion why or blame God, but instead actively looked for how God was moving. There was so much to be thankful for, whether it was medical staff, a husband whose job allowed him to work and watch two kids, cuddle time that he never would have had but I'd been home with my baby, being able to spend hours each night with my mistress, and the gift of experience that I could use to help others that find themselves in similar situations. The list could honestly go on for pages. God is, in, God is in it all, and we only have to look to see his handiwork. During this time, I regularly heard the phrase, God is good. And he most certainly is. But my circumstances do not dictate God's goodness. Why do we often say God is good when the outcome is positive? Did you know that God is good even if the outcome isn't what we want? God's goodness doesn't change based on my emotions or whether the things turn out the way I want them to. Ezekiel graduated from the NICU. We left with the song of pomp and circumstance playing. <laughs> and we were finally able to go home. However, we were only home a week when my husband cut four of his fingers in a saw accident in our garage. God is still good. His hand required several surgeries over the course of six months that, also, uh, excuse me, that ultimately reduced him to nine and a half fingers. He said, I've been reduced. <laughs> Yet God is good. He recovered his very, he rec his recovery was very difficult in many regards. Though his hand completely healed, minus half a finger and some dexterity, this incident was the starting point of other health issues and anxiety. My fun-loving, humorous husband became quiet and withdrawn and was physically unable to help in many ways for a time. But God is good. 
Some of the challenges that resulted from this incident, though much improved, continued on even after four years, and there's no sign of it ever ending. But God is good. During all this, we had a newborn and two other amazing children. As a result of being in the NICU, Ezekiel qualified for lots of services. We had therapies, therapists in and out of the home several times a month. But it wasn't until a routine checkup at his pediatrician that certain things were brought to my attention. It was our pediatrician that first mentioned the possibility of CP. It took several months, but eventually at nine months of age, Ezekiel was diagnosed with cerebral palsy. But God is good. He will never be able to use his left side naturally and will always require a brace, yet God is good. He's at high risk for seizures and will never be able to swim, take a bath, or drive alone, but God is good. I am thankful for the testimony of God's goodness in my life. Through each child, I have lived in the presence of God, and his hand was there for me to feel and see. Feelings can't be trusted. I felt alone and hidden from God many times, but feelings aren't truth. Don't let your emotions drive your circumstances. God gave me the gift of, my, of this story. It's mine and no one else's. I have lived it, but it was given to me to bring him honor and glory. When the next trial comes, because it will, I will look back on what he has done for me and know that his yoke is heavy, but the burden is light. <clears throat> a song that become a banner to my soul is the goodness of God by Bethel Music. And I will end with part of this song. I love you, Lord. Bring your mercy never fails me. All my days, I've been held in your hands. From the moment that I wake up until I lay my head, I will sing of the goodness of God. All my life, you have been faithful. And all my life, you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am able, oh, I will sing of the goodness of God. I love your voice. You have led me through the fire. In darkest night, you are close like no other. I've known you as a father, and I've known you as a friend, and I have lived in the goodness of God. Thank you, Julia. Thank you for your, your smiling, encouraging faces. We also know that your journeys and your stories are important. And uh, we know, we know, we know, because in God's word, which is true, he tells us who he is. He tells us what is important. And we choose to value that. We choose to value what we don't see yet. Because we know that we will spend eternity with him. Let's bow our heads and Father, we thank you that you are everything we need at any given moment. Father, we thank you that you love us, that in your gracious faithfulness, you called us to you and you have sustained us and you have given us stories that 
have purpose and meaning. And Father, above all, that you have called us to spend eternity with you. And I thank you for what is not yet and what we don't see. Lord, I pray that you would give each of us strength. I pray for Julia's journey. I pray for each woman in this room and on Zoom that you would just uh, strengthen us for today and give us joy in, in the stories and, and what you are doing. We thank you and we give you all praise and honor in Jesus' name. Welcome home, Ezekiel. So excited. Oh, the car ride pooped him right out. Welcome home. Oh my goodness, we're so glad to have you here. Oh, we are so happy for this day. Thank you, Lord.